Before we enter into the word, let's pray. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us in the waiting, the watching, the hoping and longing, the sorrow, the sighing, and the rejoicing. Speak to us by your word in these Advent days and walk with us until the day of your coming. Amen. So this Advent season, we've been journeying through the Gospels to see what we can glean from their overall message about Advent and to see what they say specifically about the Christmas story. Now, you'll remember from our first week in the Gospels that Mark does not include a birth story. In fact, it doesn't include anything about Jesus' childhood. But we learned from Mark that John the Baptist pointed the way to Christ and that Mark's gospel was a message of resistance for us in this Advent season. Last week, Brad talked with us about the Gospel of Matthew and about their introduction to the Christ child through the genealogy and the way that Matthew reminded us in the midst of our messiness and brokenness that God was present with us, that even in those moments where everything seems to be falling apart, Emmanuel, God, is with us. And so today we have finally come to those familiar words found in Luke chapter 2. We often refer to this as the Christmas story. It's probably one of the most familiar texts in the scripture, maybe right after the Easter narrative. And so this morning, before you say, okay, I know this one, I actually have it memorized, I know it by heart, so I can start making my grocery list for Christmas Day, why don't we take a moment to sit back and think, what might Luke be trying to teach us in these last few days of Advent? How might we hear this Christmas story as a people who are waiting, a people of expectation and hoping? Listen now to the word of the Lord found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. In that region, there were shepherds living in the field, keeping watch, Over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it 
were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I'm sure that many of you are familiar with the classic movie, Dirty Dancing. I was certainly familiar with it because I was not allowed to watch it. You know, there were several topics in there that were taboo, and of course, there was dancing. But the story goes that Frances, who was lovingly referred to by her family as Baby, is spending the summer on the coast of the Catskills at a lakeside resort. Baby is straight-laced. She has expectations set out for her. She'll go to college, she'll join the Peace Corps, and then she'll marry a doctor just like her father. However, as the summer unfolds, she becomes infatuated with the dance instructor, Johnny. Johnny is everything that Baby is not. And he is certainly not the type of boy her family would want her to bring home. The pair ends up kindling a romance through dancing because Johnny's dance partner is unable to fulfill her part in their dance. As the two kindle their forbidden relationship, the movie tugs at our heartstrings. You want to see this couple survive, and yet, as it happens in the movie, everything goes south for the star-crossed lovers. We come to the finale. It's the end of the summer season at the lakeside resort, and all the guests and staff are gathered around at a final performance. The family is seated around a table with Francis relegated to a spot of least importance. In comes Johnny, to everyone's shock. He looks at her father and says those iconic words. Nobody puts baby in a corner. I almost feel like Luke wrote the ending of Dirty Dancing because it's with that same attitude of Johnny that I hear the refrain again and again of Luke chapter 2. You will find the baby lying in a manger. Three times in the nativity scene, we hear Luke make this point. And it's clear to Luke that it's all wrong. The last place you expect to find a baby and certainly not the savior of the world, is in a manger. Nobody puts baby in a corner. No one puts the savior in a manger. And yet, there he lies. Luke wants us to catch on that something is not right, that the world into which Christ has been born has not properly received him. But Luke doesn't stop there. He sends the message to a group who will give Jesus a proper reception. God reveals the birth of our Savior to ordinary people, to the shepherds. 
It's as as if Luke is saying, you have missed it, Bethlehem. You who are in power, you who have status, you who had the opportunity to open up your spare room to this pregnant woman, you have missed it. But these shepherds, they won't. The shepherds were physically on the outside, but they were also socially on the outside. Shepherds were not only among the poorest of the poor, they were by the standards of most religiously meticulous people considered to be outcast. You see, because of their life and physical setting, that they spent their times in the fields, that prevented them from following proper purification and preparation rituals of the Jewish faith. And these were the first people to receive news of Christ's birth. But this isn't uncommon for Luke. As we look at his gospel on the whole, Luke's gospel is about the last, the lost, and the least. Take the first of Jesus' Beatitudes, for example. It's a blessing on the poor. Over and over again, Luke contrasts the rich and powerful with the poor and outsider. The Gospel of Luke is where we learned the parables of the lost coin and the prodigal son. None of our other Gospels record these parables. And in contrast with Matthew, who puts Joseph as a key player leading up to the birth of Christ, it's Mary who takes a role of prominence in Luke's gospel. This young girl from Galilee, she is the one who will help welcome God among us. Not only does he begin his Christ story with a woman, but he ends it with them, almost as if to bookend his gospel. When we get to Easter morning in the gospel of Luke, it is the women who come to the tomb. It is the women who remember the words of Christ. It is those women who were not seen as equals in society that brought the news of the resurrection to Christ's disciples. Luke's gospel is for the last, the lost, and the least. Good news, Luke says, comes through ordinary people. As we journey with Luke in Advent, I cannot help but think the offering is being presented to us. Luke is giving us an opportunity to make room in our hearts, to make room for Christ, to make room for those whom society would banish to the corner. How might this Advent journey through Luke call us to look at the homeless? To look at those who are battling mental illness. To look at the refugees in our community. Will we find room for Christ this Advent season? Will we accept the invitation to welcome those who come into our world unexpected like the Christ child? The angels brought a clear message in Luke's story. 
one that banished fear. Do not be afraid. My hope is that the fear that makes me want to look the other way as I'm walking past a homeless person on the street, the fear that keeps us from sharing about the depression we battle, and the fear that makes us want to barricade ourselves in so that we can keep others out, that this fear will be banished this Advent season. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Luke's desire was for all to experience that good news, for all to be given a chance to experience God's peace. We are being invited to experience the freedom that comes with opening our hearts, the freedom that comes with Christ's joy the freedom that comes from being bearers of Christ's peace. As Luke invites us to open our hearts, he even goes so far as to give us options on how we might choose to respond. When the shepherds found Jesus, they shared with others their encounter. And Luke tells us that all who heard it were amazed. Perhaps during this Advent season, you simply need to take time and be in awe of what God is doing. When Thomas and I were in seminary, we had the opportunity to travel to the Holy Land with a group from our school. It was a wonderful trip with the theme out of Egypt and into the Holy Land, and we did just that. We began at Cairo taking a look at the pyramids and then traveled through the desert and spent several days in Israel. And I remember that this was the time before we really had grasped that our cell phones could have an international call, and so we took with us the precious calling card. And so I used that calling card sparingly, but every few days I would call back home to check in with my family. At the time, my sister and my niece Alana, who was about three years old, were living at home with my parents. And so I remember that they would pass the phone around and let me speak to each member of the family. Now, we were settled in Tiberias, and we had been around to some of the holy sites in Israel. Earlier that day, we had visited the cave at the shepherd's field, which is traditionally associated with the nativity story. And they gave the phone to my niece, and I was telling little Alana about this, that I had visited where the shepherds had lived, and I'll never forget her response. (gasps) The angels must have sang so pretty. She was filled with wonder. You see, she had this little people nativity set that was topped with an angel. And when you pressed her, she sang, Oh, little town of Bethlehem. And she knew the story of those shepherds. She knew the good news that they brought. And she was amazed. Perhaps this Advent season... We need to be taken back to that childlike faith. Perhaps we're being called to be filled with wonder, to experience the Christ story again 
like a child. Now, that wasn't the only response we heard. When the shepherds left town, they were glorifying and praising God. And there are a lot of ways that we have opportunity to praise God. Through the singing of song, through the telling of stories, we have an opportunity to give glory to God, not simply inside, but to tell it out so that others can hear. Perhaps as you open your heart to make room for Christ this season, you are being led to praise God who is at work in your life. Or maybe you'll choose the third response, a response that's like that of Mary. Luke says Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Even though she was one of the first to be let in on this good news, Mary still took time to reflect, to meditate, to treasure the gift. Perhaps in this Advent season, you're being called to do the same. However you choose to respond, I pray that we can banish fear, embrace joy, and make room for all. As we take time to welcome the Christ child once again, may we welcome all those for whom he came. This Advent season, may the peace of Christ be with you.